with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. I'm your host, Rez Krebs, and this morning we, uh, we're happy to have Mayor-elect Simon Yu in the hot seat. Welcome, Simon. Thank you. Thank you, Rez. Uh, and so... This is this has been quite an interesting campaign, I think. Um, you know, personally, I, although I've only been here for three years, and I have a, I have a background in political science, incumbency is your number one predictor of electability. We saw that on council. Yes. Um, although Terry McConaughey, the 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 runner up in the mayoral uh, race, was not necessarily an incumbent. She had not been mayor, but she was the closest thing that we had to it. I'd like to know. How you ran your campaign and how you think um, your campaign differed from hers, and what made people want to vote for you? Wow! It's uh, first of all, I'm, I'm I I was quite surprised that night for the size of win that we we had, and um, very surprised. And uh, so afterwards, uh, I, I look back at the campaign. I look back uh, what really happened. I, I think a few, few things have probably happened. Is one is a uh, I, I think we ran a very positive campaign um, in terms of uh, our messaging. It's a mo- almost all of them is forward-looking um, policy uh, items. So we 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 didn't go back, you know, to try to criticize certain things that happened or whatnot. And uh, I think that that resonated with uh, some of the voters. Being in Prince George for all these years, I think definitely helped. Um, all of the, a lot of voter turnout, I believe they are first time voters. I have some people told me that they never, he or she, they haven't participated in the civic election for almost 40 years. And uh, for they, this time they said, yeah, I, I would like to see you in the, to, to, you know, I will cast a vote for, to you. It's because you've been here so long. And, uh, so, and I have, a, do have a big family. <laughs> I have a six, Children and in all, all well, there's a two percent increase in right there, right there, right, right there, <laughs> and the eight grandchildren. They all go to you know schools around town. Um, my kids runs uh, Northern Bounds uh, Basketball Academy. You see these sort of thing, and then my kids play music in the in the public forum all the time. So, so this sort of thing, um, you know, if you, you multiply that, I, I would say that probably is good for. Couple thousand, couple thousand votes, and uh, I, I did work very hard. I give myself a little credit for that. I, I did work hard, and uh, so that probably is uh, translate to the the success. But the size of the success, I was a little, I was a little surprised. I'm still surprised today. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite a quite a margin there. Um, what do you think distinguished you though from the other candidates? I. Believe it's uh, it's it's uh, my distinguishing me. <laughs> maybe maybe my my youth. <laughs> a grandfather doesn't look like grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what distinguished me is um, it's my community involvement over the past thirty forty years. In in terms, of I I'm a structural engineer, but I'm probably the only structural engineer. That since nineties, um, working on very small files for the community, like, uh, small residential files, inspection, things like that, that, that actually 
I get to know the the, the people here a little bit better. I uh, I know them intimately as as a neighbors. And uh, so when I approach to um people for ask them for the support I think they look at me as a next-door neighbor foremost, and I, I would like to keep it that way, yes. What about your messaging, though? I mean, that's I think that you could say that about most of the candidates, that they had a lot of good relationships in town, yeah. right? Yes. Really, I mean, I would say that quite a, quite a at least uh, certainly Terry and, and Roy Stewart, they're both pretty well-known quantities in town, right? They've been yes. around. Yeah. I think you had a different approach to your messaging my messaging is uh two first of all uh the my messaging foremost is uh i want to give back to the to to the community which is genuine the reason i'm doing it and second of all i did not reha repackaging the problem try to identify a problem are you know i i've done my best done my research to Put some structure to the some solutions, and when because I I can't help it because I'm an engineer. So I when I see a problem, I have to kind of uh, attack the source of the the re, the problem the in in the, in the in the structure of the problem in such a way to provide a possible options solutions for that. And I think that probably put me a little bit different. In the, in a different category than the, than other candidate because, uh, um, during the campaign, normally the messaging from politician is, yeah, I identify problem. I will try to solve it. But, uh, from, uh, from detailing point of view, there was not as much as what we put forward as a, as a, as a campaign. So I think that might resonate with, uh, some of the voters as well. Yeah, I mean, I, so I was at three of those candidate forums, all candidate forums. Yes, and what I noticed from you, especially, and we'll get into the housing issue um, yeah. in a minute. But what I noticed was uh, Terry McConaughey was running on the work that had that she had done with her council colleagues up until this point. Yes, right. Yes, basically status quo, and she said. You know, yes, she voted for the Safe Streets bylaw, and it was at the time it was the best of all possible options. Roy Stewart, he was running on a a little harder line. I never heard the hard line from you. Yes, and I thought that was very interesting, and I think it's part of the thing. I I wonder what you think about uh, positive messaging resonating with voters and not scapegoating people on the street here in Prince George. Well, I I first of all I you know be, being the Downtown resident myself as well. I do have a building here, and I I always look the any one of us can end up there. Really, I mean, uh, to to become a, a homelessness is not a volunteer choice. It's a it really it takes few steps. I mean, if somebody lost a job, somebody got um, in, involved in some drug issues, somebody have some mental problems, uh, any one of these factors or combination of them can put somebody in the homeless situation. So so I, I understand that intimately uh, in, in terms of, and then I start looking back, I say, well, let's look back the history a little bit longer. Let's look back maybe a few, five, six thousand years. I mean, we were 
all human beings, all of us, probably were living to some degree like these homeless people, try to survive in a in a in a in a, in a very difficult environment. And today, because we as a society, the modernity has put us to today with cell phone with. Uh, 24-7 air conditioning and all that stuff, we start to judge a, a, a group of people as if this is uh, abnormal, so abnormal that we, we start to say, well, we need to do something. But in, when we're looking back and, and the, 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 we, as human, we can survive in, in a very difficult situations. And so to help these people, I kind of start to realize from the very beginning, it's a, you cannot just try to say, oh, we're going to provide housing just like us, maybe a little bit small. Um, I, I think it's going to be a genuine community building exercise uh, in terms of that. So, so therefore, my messaging during the campaign, I wasn't trying to judge anybody, you know, whether they're on the street or I'm trying to say the, the, whether the council, the, um, the, the previous administration, the multi different level of government they've done enough or they have not done enough uh, I, I just thought I, 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 because I see the things as maybe slightly different um, so my message maybe is to come across a little bit different and that that's my that's a, that's a real that's the truth that's a I you know I didn't hear you say it in those terms during the campaign, but it's really an interesting approach. Well, it, the question was never put to, towards me like that uh, during those uh, thirty second, ten, yeah. one minute song. But it's very try difficult to to get this kind of a detailing out in the open. But you know, I'm I'm a very transparent type of guy. I'm uh, I like to study history. I I I like to analyze things from historic point of view rather than just say. You know, this is an issue. We need let's uh, uh, with today's technology. Why happened? I, I want to take a little bit longer view. Um, so you, you say you want to. Um, let's talk about housing now. We got a couple more minutes yes. before a break. Uh, you said you want to use it as a community building exercise. Yes. What's your vision for that? Well, my the community building exercise is uh, you, you first of all let, let's uh, take a look at the the people without a home. Obviously, we said we need to provide them with a home. Home is really it's a some something you build together as a community as a family. But a lot of these people they don't have a family, they don't no longer have a family. They lost their uh, contact with their closest loved ones. Um, so we as a community, in order to create a home for them in whatever their shape and form, we have to look this as a community building exercise. And they, the, the people without a home today, they need to participate as a part of the home building team. Or else, whatever the shelter we give it to them, no matter how fancy it is, it's not a home. And only when people start living in the home, they feel that they, they have a ownership in terms of a use their sweat equity, uh, use their, um, together. And we reconnected them back to the, back to the people. Uh, in the in in, in the in the society in in the community, then they will see this as a home. So that's why I think it is foremost important the the rebuilding exercise is a home building community building exercise. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that. I've heard similar points raised by people who live on the street. 
Yeah, they they get ever they get their food provided for them, right? And if yeah. they're in the Knights Inn or some other shelter, yes, they have some place that they can sleep. But there's no ownership there, right? There's That's no right. feeling of, yeah. of belonging. If you're not making your own food, and if you're not participating in how right. that home needs to be, then yeah, that, there's that, 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 that the ego, um, yeah. the the self worthy, um, all these feelings, they only becomes the, the positive image of oneself. It, it has to be rebuilt one step at a time, and and uh, that is can. As a matter of fact, we have to be very careful when we approach the, you know, solving the problem, not putting these people down as they were the people in the desperate need. We should, we should look at them as just your own kid, brother and sister. You, you, you're back to the family. How are you going to contribute a little bit? You know, everybody have to pull in together. And, and then this, because of the structure that we, we have in the, in the world today, our, our structure, like multi, Different level of government. The federal government's, uh, is a primarily their goal through the history in Canada. It's a, it's a taxation, you know, um, uh, regime foremost. And they redistribute the money to the province. And provincial government, yes, they have a mandate to provide housing and whatnot. But we are, we are size, of, the province of BC, probably size of a couple of Germany. So the issue facing different housing is different. Uh, the people need a different type of housing. So having a, a couple agency try to solve all this problem, it's a very, very difficult task as well. So then some of the problem become localized. We have a problem and Vancouver has a problem, but the problem is in some ways are similar, but in some ways are different. You know, they will not have the luxury like we do. We have more land available to us. So I think that, you know, right now I, th- I do believe the federal government to some degree recognize that. So there will be most, some program coming, you know, get funding direct. Uh, to the municipality to to do some of the housing and from the local uh, perspective, you're going to push for that. Uh, I think we, I would definitely will push for that, and um, it, this is one of the things I think will help solving our problem in the most unique way. Um, because we're different, we do have a quite a lot of uh, um, land available to us around this area. And uh, so I will approach from, you know, I, of course, in the days ahead, I will talk to my council colleagues, I'll talk to the administration, and most of, most of all, I'll talk to people like yourself who has been in the community and uh, try to understand, you know, the, the problem on the street um, to, to, to together as a team, we to see what is the step number one, what is the number two, and then the next 100 days, this is what I plan to do, to, to create a, a positive community building structure to get things done excellent well we're going to be back after these messages and we'll talk a little bit more about the next hundred days thank you there isn't much that a country singer hasn't covered in a song if you want to hear songs about new love lost love drinking fighting cowboys trains traveling and everything else then tune into the country cavalcade every wednesday six to eight where i cover music from the 20s to the 90s as well as today's traditional independent artists you'll hear from such greats as the carter family johnny horton Vern charlton and so much more the country cavalcade wednesday six to eight only here on 93.1 cfis fm with me Corey. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats, founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and there are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, 
and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Balance is not a passive resting place. It takes work, balancing the giving and the taking, the raking out and the putting in. I'm Jonah from Books and Company, and that was a quote from Robin Wall Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teachings of Plants. It's been in our top 30 bestseller rack for literally years now. This one is definitely worth the read for us here in Northern BC, folks. Come check it out in store at 1685 3rd Avenue. You can call us at 563-6637 or find it online at booksandcompany.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada. A mix of sun and cloud today with a 30% chance of showers this afternoon and wind from the southwest at 20, a high of 8. Tonight, partly cloudy. Fog passes developing overnight. Southwest winds becoming light this evening, a low of minus 1. For Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers in the afternoon, a high of 6. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. We're back here. I'm your host, Rez Krebs, on After 9, and we're here with uh, Mayor-elect Simon Yu. I wanted to ask you, Simon, about uh, what are your top three things you want to accomplish in the first 100 days in office? Wow. That's uh, more than three things. I, I, <laughs> I would say the first, first uh, order of business is, of course, to, to re- have a deep understanding of the team, the, the, the people going to be working with you. Um, the administration and the fellow counselors, we all bring different strengths and weaknesses to, to any table. So I like to identify in terms of who is the best suited to do what in terms of, you know, uh, in certain committee structure. So during the next little while, we're going to, you know, go to multiple council mayor training uh, sessions to understand um, in the more details uh, how uh, the community uh, are, uh, act or, you know, what is the limitation of our mandate, basically, how what things we can do and what things is really have to involve the other level of government. Um, so this is a probably priority number one because we cannot moving forward to know, you know, what, 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 who's with you, do what, and, and that sort of stuff. So that is the number one. Number two, of course, is uh, is winter's approaching. I will very much want to work with the local uh, social service community, Northern Health, to make sure that people uh, right now um, it's uh, right now encampment uh, on the street right now. They have a safe place to go to to get through this winter and that during that exercise i would really like to know uh, all of them on, on an individual basis if it's possible and then starting to structure the program that able to tailor to their individual need and through the the people uh, that best can help them and that as i said before and start this community building exercise um to put the self-confidence in, in back into some some of the people, and that there'll be you know, this is the, this is the second thing I want to do. Third thing, I, of course, I want to do is uh, being the first Asian immigrant mayor in BC, probably in Canada. First Asian mayor north of fifty four in the world. I right now have some 
Except for in Asia. <laughs> yeah, as a, yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, of course. And I feel that I have some unique opportunity to promote our city, mm-hmm. to reopen the business. So um, next 100 days, I would like to work with our administration and with our council colleague, see if uh, we can able to um, make the development building permit process a little bit more streamlined uh, we have a better charge in terms of processing the thing so we need to um, tell the world that Prince George is open for business we are going to grow and uh, so these are the three items um, that's personal my but all my council colleagues they have might have a different priorities so we are going to try to synchronize uh, some of the you know the priorities in terms of uh, uh, what's a 100 days as a council look like and have you met with your council already I haven't of course, of course I haven't met uh, a lot of my counselors on a one-on-one basis just casually congratulate each other and try, try to fill each other out in terms uh, what you like to do and what is your so uh, what's the area that you feel that that's your real strength but it being in the community for a while we most of the counselor we know each other right mm-hmm. so so we kind of uh, say yes we will work together as a team but in what kind of format are we I would like to see you know each counselor will be taking on a certain file uh, just like an administrative file you know you 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 the you the like roles on a board yeah yeah you the you the ambassador for the senior you the ambassador for for the you know for for leading the re- reconciliation program we we would like to each counselor they use their strengths and their past experience to able to work more efficiently uh, in, in the structure. But in, in what format, I have not really thought about in the greatest detail until, you know, we starting to meet together as a team. And so I believe um, the goodwill is there. Um, I think we, we, will, we will get it done. So these are the three things I would love to see to happen during my 100 days. Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about a year from now. What do you see, what do you see when you look out, the, we're looking out the window here at uh, Quebec and 3rd, what does this look like in a, in a year from now? What has changed? What is what what is your policies in implementing them? What is what has changed in Prince well, George? Well, from one hundred days from now, I would like one to year, see, one year, one year, one year from now, I I would like to see um, there'll be less um, homeless pe- homeless people in downtown core. Of course, uh, whether we can. Get the entire problem under wrap. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a yet to see. But I would like to see some of the empty lot. There'll be uh, people be interested develop back in back in downtown area. Put some money here. Um, the, the the thing is, uh, for every time when we, when we uh, have an empty lot, if we don't put some positive economic activity in there. Um, that is itself, it's, uh, it just make Nanta doesn't look that good. Um, so in one year from now, I want to, they may not get built right away, but I want to see the building application for every little section in the downtown starting to moving forward. So we'll see there's a positive movement, investment come back here. Um, there'll be, you know, the farmer market will be doing better and, um, I want to see the, the more, Entertainment venue happening in the, in, the, in the downtown core, and these sort of thing I would love to see to happen. Yes. Um, what kind of? I, I'd love to know how you imagine 
attracting business back downtown, how you and and what the city can do for, for instance, for entertainment. Hey, I'm a musician. Uh, yeah. The Amanique Art Center um, actually really benefited from some of the city grants they received. Yeah. But like, how? What is the city's role in that in attracting yeah. people back down here? It's it's a it's a it's a bold vision. The vision I during the campaign I have been. Uh, throughout the campaign, my com- message consistent. East of Queensway, we must have a plan, a development plan that people coming to Prince George understand the east of Queensway. If the plan towards the east of Queensway is a very excitable, it's a very exciting development plan, then, then the entire present downtown core will be jammed in between the future of the east of Queensway and the by Victoria Street with a lot of activity here. Then the land value, of course, economically the land value of land value of this area will be greatly increased and uh, there will be economic people will see the opportunity for this core, downtown core, the old core, and people see this is the place to invest because there'll be better economic return. They can see it in the long term. 20 years from now, they say, wow, if East Queensway, you got such a gigantic plan, and on the Victoria side, we have all this uh, big, nice building, big building here already, then then it's automatic. Mm. There's there's an old core from First Avenue to to 7th Avenue from uh, from from George Street to Victoria that that would be that would be very small area in terms of big scheme of things uh it sounds like the you know the official community plan revision is coming up it sounds yes. like you're you're hoping to focus more development back downtown everywhere but what about what you know we keep seeing these uh developments popping up on the outskirts right yes um, new subdivisions. It's actually high, quite a lot of cost to uh, increase the amount of services that are there. Yeah. Right. To, to, to bring services to those subdivisions. I mean, they they've been building uh, subdivisions up on College Heights where you can't even get a bus through the, yeah. the streets. You're you're, you're, you're absolutely right, uh, Res. It's uh, that's one reason is that people may not know the 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 our sewage plant actually is right underneath Serona. So actually develop a college high corridor and also we have a water tower near UMBC area. So to develop um, that section of the town, it is easier. Really? <laughs> yeah, compared to everywhere else. And uh, in the downtown area here, we talk about a lot of old water pipe, old water sewage line. Uh, it probably going to cost a little bit more in terms of, a, you know, look at the Parquet. One of the reasons it costs so much more is also we need to do uh, a new sewage line punching through the Queensway. Uh, so you know, as time goes, so the development should be happening everywhere. Um, but we're gonna take a look at the engineering, um, this infrastructure, where is the most efficient way to get things done. Right but on. we, first thing, we need a plan. We yeah. need a plan. Really happy to talk with you this morning, Mayor-elect Simon Yu. Congratulations. Thank Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Russ. Thank you. UNBC is looking for participants in Demscape, dementia-inclusive streets and community access, participation and engagement. The study will help city planners and policymakers in BC plan more dementia-friendly streets and outdoor spaces. For more information or to take part in the study, email demscape at unbc.ca or call project manager Emma Rossnagel at 250-960-5154. 
Join the journey for dementia-inclusive streets and community access, participation, and engagement. CNC's continuing education has many professional development opportunities available. Become career-ready within six months with the Medical Office Assistant Certificate. The Medical Office Assistant is a dynamic and vital role within a medical office team. This highly rewarding career path is currently in demand in B.C. More information is available through continuing education at CNC or online at cnc.bc.ca slash ce. The Medical Office Assistant Certificate course starts January 11th. Registration deadline is December 27th. Activities abound downtown at the Brunswick Street Center. Keep physically fit with line dancing, tai chi, carpet bowling, and more. Card enthusiasts can take part in cribbage, pride, and whist. And there's also a monthly birthday tea, a ham and roast beef dinner on the final Sunday of the month, and a dance every second Saturday. For more information, call the center or email senioractivitypg at shaw.ca. The Brunswick Street Center. Plenty of activities to keep you mobile at the corner of 4th and Brunswick. The Prince George Community Radio Society's AGM is 7 o'clock Tuesday evening in the Q3 Creative Business Hub. All members of the society are welcome to attend for a review of the past year's operations, a look ahead to the station's future, and the election of the Board of Directors. Members interested in serving on the board should email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. That's the Prince George Community Radio Society's AGM, 7 o'clock Tuesday in the Q3 Creative Business Hub, the corner of Quebec and 3rd. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Welcome back. I'm your host, Rez Krebs, and we're with the uh, political panel this morning. We've got Art Betke, Peter Ewart, and Herb Martin. Uh, well, we just had a chat with the mayor. Obviously, we're still thinking about the new the municipal election. Uh, any surprises, gentlemen? Uh, I guess I was surprised of all the all the talk on the street about um, getting uh, cleaning uh, cleaning house and getting the uh, old council out was just a lot of talk and very little action with only twenty six percent of the people voting. Uh, that was a little disturbing. Uh, I guess also I guess I was a little surprised that um, not one incumbent lost their seat. Uh, mind you, there there was some uh, positive. Uh, uh, aspects about that because they were they were pretty much uh, universally hit lost votes except for uh, Skaken I guess but um, I think even he lost a few from last election but um, so there's there was obviously some some desire in the community to um, uh, to punish them but uh, it didn't really get people off the couch and uh, down to the polls uh, yeah I would agree with um, Herb. You know about uh, I, I was uh, surprised that uh, all the incumbents got back in. I thought there'd be more of a of a backlash. I, I wasn't surprised that uh, Simon got in. Uh, you know because uh, you know I kind of followed his campaign and uh, I, I think he tapped into you know the desi- the desire for change that was in the province and this or in the in the city. Uh, you know and that that especially comes down to the mayor, right? Because uh, councillors. Uh, you know, people look at their experience and, and so on, right? You know, and uh, what they've done. But for the mayor, you're looking for where the future is going. You know, what's, uh, what's the vision, right? And I think, uh, he, uh, you know, presented a vision and, uh, was enthusiastic about it. And, and it was a positive kind of message. And, um, I think that, you know, he did things like, for example, he, he came out very clearly to say that he would oppose the safe street bylaw. And uh, I think that cut into, uh, you know, the 
Terry McConaughey's base, right? You know, like uh, in terms of, uh, you know, she, she she was talking about it, just re- just reviewing it, uh, whereas he was saying uh, we're going to get rid of it, right? That being said, I think, you know, Terry McConaughey would have been a, a great mayor as well, right? Um, you know, and so we're looking at... Uh, uh, you know, a, a period of time. We have a new mayor, right? He's enthusiastic and uh, he's got some ideas about where to go. And uh, anyway, yeah. All right. Yeah. Before the election, uh, some people were suggesting a clean sweep to get rid of all these councilors. Yeah, my mic wasn't turned on. <laughs> before the election. Uh, some people were talking there'd be a, a clean sweep that. Uh, uh, all the old council would be gone and only new councillors would be in. I didn't expect that because it had been a while since all the scandals and overspending and that. So I figured, uh, you know, they they would do okay. I didn't think the incumbents would do as well as they did, except for Susan Scott, they led the pack. I figured some of the new ones would be up in there in the mix. So that was surprising. Uh, I was also surprised at the amount of lead that Simon you had over... Terry McConaughey, uh, I, I thought it would be a much closer race there. So, yeah, I was looking at um, the numbers here. It was Simon you at six thousand ninety two, and Terry McConaughey forty one fifty two. So quite quite a quite a, a significant lead there. Although um, I think it was Andrew Curiata who said basically what we saw was the hardliners split the rest of the vote and i think it's about right when you look at roy stewart 2400 adam hyatt 1700 lisa mitchell 500 i mean if you add all those up you end up with more than 6000 um which is which is an interesting i mean maybe they're not exactly the same constituent i think that terry mcconaughey is certainly not nearly as hard line as roy stewart but um yeah it's, it does show a kind of a division uh, yeah. in the electorate anyway I did think Adam Hyatt would do better too. I, I thought he would come third. So, no, it, was, well. it was. I mean, it was close-ish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they I, were the I, also runs. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it would be interesting to see what it would have been like if it was only the two front runners in the race instead of six of them running for mayor. I mean, that's people have talked about those kinds of uh, runoff or or a ranked ballot voting, right? Yeah. Uh, especially for a mayor, it actually makes a lot of sense so that you end up with a mayor who's who's got at least 50% of of people, you know, voting for them, right? Yeah. Um, who did, did, did I want to ask, did people get what they wanted out of this election? <laughs> no, I, I was going for the clean sweep. I was, I was really hoping for a new council. And um, I think there just, there were too many uh, candidates. Uh, if you... Add up the, all the votes for the incumbents, uh, except for Skaken, who was, seemed to really sort of hold his uh, hold his uh, so constituency. Um, uh, the the votes for the unsuccessful candidates um, uh, were more than thirty seven thousand votes for unsuccessful candidates, twenty seven thousand votes for the incumbents. Wow, so that that shows you that there there was a desire for change, and yep. just not a lot of people came out to vote for it. That's really interesting. And actually, talking about vote splitting, you kind of just get the vote split amongst the people who are not incumbents, but those incumbents hang on to their base. Yeah, right? and Susan Scott got in with fifty two hundred votes. Um, if you if you look at um, Wesley Mitchell, I think got forty eight hundred. So you know, really, she just hung on by the skin of her teeth. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's very, it's super, uh, super close. Uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen, uh, you know, some candidates like James Steidel, for example, uh, get in. Wesley no, Mitchell. no bias amongst the radio crowd for James. <laughs> eh? Wesley Mitchell, you know, like some, you know, some more new blood in that regard, right? But. Uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, you know we have a we have a new council. I, you know I have uh, a hope. You know that uh, you know some of these problems are going to be addressed seriously, especially the the, the homelessness uh, issue and and uh, and uh, and other issues, right? So uh, I don't see uh, I don't see this as a you know in a negative way or whatever and all that. It's just it's just a new it's a new council. Uh, there's a new agenda, right? That uh, we'll see w- w- how well they're able to deliver it. All right, you got last word. Yeah, some of the people I voted for were elected, and some of them were not. So <laughs> I'm sort of happy. Yeah, actually, the first time I think I voted for a mayor or MP or MLA, I got the one that I voted for. Like in the first time in my in my voting uh, career, so to speak. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be back after these messages. This year's Festival of Trees is set for November 30th to December 4th at the Civic Center. The Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation is taking what they learned over the last few years to infuse even more excitement and energy into the annual fundraiser. Tickets for all events this year will be available online starting Monday at spiritofthenorth.ca or by calling the Foundation office at 250-565-2515. The 22nd Annual Festival of Trees, November 30th to December 4th at the Civic Center. The Prince George Potters Guild is offering a beginner wheel level one course starting November 15th. The program will run Tuesdays from 6.30 to 9.30 under the instruction of Karen Heatman and Joan Mickelson. The $285 course fee includes six evenings of instruction plus one month of studio time after the classes, clay and the use of guild tools and glazing and firing during classes. There are no prerequisites for beginner wheel level one. For more information and to register, go to Studio 28 80.com slash programs. Mark your calendar on Thursday, November 3rd for Advocate Life and Education Services annual Celebrate Life Gala. Enjoy an amazing dinner and hear from special guest speaker Rebecca Hagen, one of today's youngest speakers on the issues of teen pregnancy, abortion, and abortion pill reversal. Check out the gala website, celebratelifegala.ca, for more details and to get your tickets. Advocate Life's annual Celebrate Life Gala, Thursday, November 3rd from 7 to 9 at the Civic Center. Forecast from Environment Canada. A mix of sun and cloud today with a 30% chance of showers this afternoon and wind from the southwest at 20, a high of 8. Tonight, partly cloudy. Fog passes developing overnight. Southwest winds becoming light this evening, a low of minus 1. For Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers in the afternoon, a high of 6. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. We're back, uh, and we're just going to jump right into discussion of the disqualification of Anjali Apaterai from the BC NDP leadership race. Uh, Peter, what were your thoughts when you heard that she was disqualified? Uh, I, I don't. I think it's a negative thing, right? I think, and it's uh, another manifestation of the of the of the crisis the party based system is in that such a thing takes place, right? You know, like you have this. Uh, all this stuff about the problems of of third party participation, right? Uh, but uh, I think you know what these rules that govern the third party participation, and that, that's what 
uh, she was charged with was that uh, you know there was uh, using the third party the environmental group dogwood and and others right to support her campaign uh, but I think these regulations, uh, uh, these third-party regulations, basically what they're doing is that they just clear the way for uh, the party elite to run things and and keep the the member membership and the um, people as a whole out of the uh, participation in the system. Right. You know, like she did very well in terms of in in the space of a month, she signed up. You know, it's estimated I don't know ten, eleven thousand people. You know, like the, the, that's quite a very impressive sort of thing. But but to use the party rules, like that's a, these party rules are in place, uh, and they're kind of like a gray zone there. Uh, and you know, like you look at the past, there's been many abuses in the past, and they've never disqualified candidates. Like uh, like back in 2000, they had. Uh, in one house, there was supposedly 58 people had had signed nomination <laughs> forms, right? And then there was all these uh, f- um, these memberships that were paid for by uh, people running, you know, for leadership and and so on, right? You know, so there's many examples of this kind of stuff in in the past, but. Uh, Basically, it's a question of uh, the, the the party elite uh, using these rules uh, against uh, against her to get her out. I think it's a problem. And what do you think, Art? Do you agree with this assessment, or is this uh, actually good for the province? Uh, to a point, I agree. Uh, the party uh, they had a problem with her uh, in that she's rather extreme. And uh, her being elected leader would be a gift to the Liberals, and they would probably lose the next election. So uh, at least that's the way they saw it. Uh, whether that's true or not, we will never know. Uh, some people described it as uh, she attempted a hostile takeover of the NDP. Uh, it's not so much necessarily her taking it over or, or, or as uh, the Greens uh, themselves, the... Uh, Dogwood, Dogwood BC people. And now she says uh, she didn't authorize it. The Dogwood uh, BC acted independently in campaigning for her and signing up all those people. But it seems there's sort of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink attitude aspect to, to this. Like she was fully aware of it and approved of it, even if she didn't, uh, if she wasn't behind it. Uh, so. There was a lot of breaking of rules there, and I heard some, maybe even the Elections Act. I, I really don't know for sure. But uh, the only way they could make it fair was to boot her out, which wasn't really fair either. So It's interesting. I mean, that, so what I heard was that the some of that third-party stuff doesn't actually apply to... Uh, to party leadership campaigns. And the other thing I heard... Uh, was that actually I saw this on Twitter? The steel workers are running basically the identical campaign that Dogwood had run for her, but for EB, right? So you get this like kind of it's it's happening on both sides. Herb, what do you think? Well, at the end of the day, she's um, still uh, says that she wants to stay in the NDP. So I don't know. Was this an elaborate uh, political machination to get herself? Uh, some sort of position within the NDP because really she's on the face of it she's more uh, closely allied to the Greens and if she was truly just um, uh, issue oriented uh, you think that she would have quit the NDP over this and then gone to, to, for the Greens so I'm I, I'm I'm kind of waiting for the for the full full uh, full fallout here it was um, 
just a, a lot of I, a lot of political noise, and I don't know, not much, a lot of heat, and uh, uh, not much energy. I don't think. Hmm. I mean, ten thousand people—that seems like a lot of energy. I mean, we we don't know the exact number, but yeah, I've but heard the, eight. I've heard fourteen. You know. Yeah, but the people that she brought in—are they going to vote for the NDP now that Eby's leader? Probably not. Right. Well, maybe because she stayed with the NDP. Maybe that's what she's looking at. Maybe she's looking at next time. Yeah. You know, she's building a base for the next time, next leadership. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, just looking at this thing, like Harry Lally has written an article, and he's a yeah. former uh, uh, he N- NDP. Uh, no, they're, they're, they got their thing going here. So. Uh, anyway, he was a former NDP uh, cabinet minister. And here's what he has to say. He says that the... Um, uh, party policy is predetermined by the leader's office and a select few uh, establishment figures. The establishment's preferred or anointed leadership candidate gets to dictate the rules and control the agenda for the leadership race. Party constitution be damned. Yeah, well, Energetic, ambitious, upstart individuals with fresh, new, dynamic ideas like Apadurai are suspiciously seen as a threat yeah. by those who wield power. You know, so I, I think, you know, when we look at this uh, situation there, that this is uh, what's, what's taking place, is that uh, they're, they're arbitrarily using these rules against the uh, upstart candidate, and it's going to have consequences down the road, you know, in terms of uh, how we go. But I, I think what it points to myself is also an indictment of the party-based system, which, uh, you know, 100 years ago, you had the concept of the mass party you know, where, where mass party, mass social movements could actually have have government come in and and so on, right? But but it's degenerated to the point that uh, it's, it's public relations officers, it's uh, uh, spin doctors, and it's uh, uh, lobbyists who who run things now. And the you know mass membership, mass participation is uh, more and more prohibited. They actually don't want mass participation. They prefer to know exactly who's going to go vote for them, right? Yeah, exactly. So so what you have is is a political party, which is a private interest. Basically, they're they're controlling the the whole, entire democratic process for the for the people as a whole. And uh, I think there, there's a contradiction there. There's a problem there that needs to be solved in terms of uh, looking to see how. Um, how we could have a more democratic process that uh, would uh, uh, keep the you know the power of the of the party backroom uh, out of power and uh, the people as a whole in ridings across the province in power. I mean, I got one last question for each of you on this. Do you think it was a legitimate complaint and therefore a legitimate use of process, or was this a hit job? I think it's both. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was a I think it was a hit job. I think I think she was she was going to win. That's the reason why uh, she she got disqualified. Was that she she uh, she was going to win with the numbers that she had, and uh, which would have uh, been interesting to say the least. I, I kind of find that hard to believe that she would have won. I mean, she brought ten thousand members in, but I think the NDP have well over one hundred and fifty thousand members. So. Seems like the it, it's it's. I think it's probably more likely just political cowardice. Really, they they didn't want to face another issue, and um, I think and it's an opportunity lost for EB two. But uh, hopefully, I mean, he keeps that in mind uh, down the line and addresses addresses the environment uh, on a more uh, uh, comprehensive manner in the future because it, it is a problem for the for the NEP. They've had to deal with the Greens in the past, and they will in the future if they don't don't uh, reconcile. 
All right. Well, we'll be back after these messages. The Prince George Potter's Guild is offering a beginner wheel level one course starting December 7th. The program will run Wednesday and Fridays until December 16th from 630 to 930 under the instruction of Karen Heathman. The $200 course fee includes four evenings of instruction plus one month of studio time after classes, clay, and the use of the guild's tools and glazing and firing during classes. Students are asked to be able to throw a cylinder before taking wheel level two. For more information and to register, go to studio2880.com slash programs. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council has a call-out for nominations to its board of directors. They are seeking to fill a vacancy for a Métis director who reflects their values, priorities, and is responsive to their mission to build programs and services that positively impact the health and well-being of Indigenous individuals, families, and communities throughout B.C. Full details on this volunteer position are available at ispark.ca. The nomination deadline for ISPARC's Métis director is Friday, November 4th. It's time to get spooky and bring on Halloween. Studio 2880 is looking for merchants in good Halloween spirits to showcase their unearthly wares during the Nightmare Market on Saturday. The night will include Halloween-inspired activities, tricks, and some treats. Dress up if you'd like and have fun at this fantastic community event. Merchant, food truck, and entertainer registration is available through the programs page at studio2880.com. The Nightmare Market, Saturday at Studio 2880. This month's artist-in-residence at the Yamanika Art Centre is Alana Kador Schwant. Choose a fandom and turn it into your own form-line design during her final free art workshop, Saturday from 2 to 3.30. Sign up for the workshop by emailing info at amanikaartcenter.com or stop in and check out Alana's work. Wednesdays between 10 and 1 and Fridays between 11 and 4. For more information, visit aksartisticdesign.ca or amanikaartcenter.com. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. We're back, and we've got more political uh, upheaval. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure if anyone paid attention to this, but there was a head of lettuce uh, being live-streamed in Britain, uh, unrefrigerated head of iceberg lettuce, and the question that was being asked was whether that head of lettuce would last longer than Liz Truss. <laughs> The result was that, yes, indeed, the head of lettuce lasted longer than Liz Trust. Liz, Liz Trust. Uh, it's, it's really funny. She's gone down and she brought the pound with her. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable what's happening over there. Unemployment, recession, etc. Uh, our, what are your thoughts on, on, our our former uh, imperial masters. <laughs> well, actually, it's not fair because uh, the lettuce got a late start. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, she was in in office for a while before they put the blonde wig on on the head of iceberg lettuce, and, and it was turning kind of brown at the end too, <laughs> even though it was still there. Uh, yeah, it, the problem with the, uh, with the British Conservative Party is they've been doing a lot of things that conservatives do, uh, talking about conservatism and running as conservatives and then governing like liberals. Um, uh, Boris, he, he had a golden opportunity with the majority he had there, and everybody thought he would be a conservative, unlike his predecessors uh, recently. And... Uh, he betrayed them on uh, the, the, uh, the net zero thing, uh, can't, uh, shutting down their uh, fossil fuel industry and then importing it. Uh, and 
allowing uh, the migrants to come in by the thousands with even aiding their their uh, entry into Britain and uh, then with this um, the COVID thing, when his his uh, the, the, the shutdowns you're referring to <laughs> the, the lockdowns uh, were uh, draconian and the the people hated all that and so he alienated all the conservatives. Uh, I hear according to the latest polls, the conservatives are likely to be reduced to seven to twelve seats in the next election. Uh, Labor will get five hundred and seven seats, which gives them a majority of three hundred and sixty-four. The Scottish National Party would be the official opposition. Does this remind you of nineteen ninety-three Conservative route? Yeah, yeah. With the Reform Party coming in, although they didn't have, at least in Canada, there was somebody to split the vote, right? Yeah. Here it's, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, but we had a separatist party as the official opposition. Right. right. Her Majesty's disloyal opposition. That's the same as the SNP. Yeah. Wow. Herb, what do you think about this? Uh, well, <clears throat> she um, she got hoisted by her own petard. She uh, came through with a whole bunch of ideas for tax um uh, cuts uh, at a time when she hadn't c- costed or funded those, and uh, yeah, the, she didn't even send it to the parliamentary budget office or whatever they were. Yeah, no, she tried to do an end run around that and and uh, basically give her give everyone a lot of hopium, and it didn't uh, fly in international markets. Uh, the pound took a, pound, a pounding and uh, uh, was almost on par with the U.S. dollar at one point. So um, yeah, no, that's it. Just it just was not going to fly. Mark Carney had a pretty good critique of her and uh, said uh, she just put the cart before the horse, and um, it just wasn't going to work. So yeah, she she basically was the author of her own demise. Within forty five days, it was kind of kind of sad to see. That's a big record too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw it was put well by by one uh, poster, right? And of course, Liz Truss. In the course of just a few weeks, she buried the Queen, she buried the British Pound, and she buried the Conservative Party itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, uh, all joking aside and all this, it's very serious for the uh, the whole financial world, right? Britain is a center of uh, international finance, and uh, the the discombobulation of what's, what's going on there is going to have ripple effects all over the place. The country itself, UK is adrift, right? You know, like, they, 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 they left the EU, EU, you know, they went with Brexit and all this, but without a, a clear vision as to where uh, the UK is going to fit in the world. And so now you have this uh, drift, the sensation of a drift uh, that's going on. And um, so, you know, it's one more example of a whole number of things are coming to a head in this world. And it's uh, it's quite a dangerous period in terms of where where it's going to go, and uh, you know, and I think part of the problem is 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 the political systems, right? Looking at uh, how they're functioning and how democratic they are, right? And so they, so they have some big problems there. I saw that uh, Medvedev. Uh, I'm not sure if he's the prime minister or the president now. They just swapped with Putin and him, right? Um, he was gloating about Liz Trust. I think he actually congratulated the lettuce. <laughs> yeah, um, Art. I got I got to ask though, like. Hey, Liz Truss, like the 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 uh, policy that got her in so much trouble was pretty conservative. Hey, like like free up uh, cash flow, right? Reduce taxation, free up cash flow, and then what? What like what do you think the issue was there? Uh, she was in over her head, and she did not address a lot of the problems that people saw with Boris. 
uh, gee, I don't know. It's like we know that cutting taxes to certain segments will spur uh, economic activity. And in a couple of cases, when it was done in the United States, they actually increased the amount of taxes collected. But, you know, it's like she didn't think it through and uh, she didn't plan it. And there were a lot of other things she could have done that were more pressing to the people uh, that, that the conservative uh, voters cared about. Uh, and and she didn't take action on them, like the migrant situation and uh, no, uh, net zero and so on, all those draconian things. So before her, uh, way back when Jeremy Corbyn was uh, head of the Labour Party, he took them way off into left field. Now, he's gone. I don't know if Labour has come back, if they're still there, but they're going to form the next government with a massive majority. I mean, that all depends. I think that all depends on what happens in the next... I'm just looking at this. It says that the next general election in the UK will happen no later than January 2025. Which is eons in political yeah, it times. Is. But they're even talking about getting Boris back in as leader now. Oh, that's amazing. I wonder if that was his. Maybe that was his plan all along. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Well, he never did plan to leave, uh, but he was kind of pushed out. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, will. gentlemen, for the uh, conversation this morning, and uh, everyone have a great weekend. That's your that's your after nine for this Friday. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair, with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're listening to 93.1 CFIS-FM, Prince George, proudly partnered with local community groups like the Railway and Forestry Museum on River Road next to Cottonwood Island Park.